Hello, this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by His Word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. Morning, guys. I am nervous, but I always get nervous. I was telling uh, uh, Morgan and Riley, I asked them if they were nervous to play on worship team. By the way, thank you guys. You guys did awesome. Uh, super appreciate it. You guys did amazing. And thank you, Nate, um, for helping out with worship as well. Uh, and and uh, Morgan was like, yeah, I'm a little nervous. And I was like, I get nervous every time, <laughs> every time. Every time I have to get in front of people, um, I get nervous. But um, have you got? Ha, have you guys ever hunted before? Who here has ever hunted? Raise your hands. Nice. I have never hunted anything. Um, like it, unless like a mouse is in the house, and my mom is like, Yee! and I have to like search for it, and then it chases underneath my legs and makes me scream. Um, that's the only type of hunting I've ever really done. Except for I went on a um, my my one of my best friends, Dakota Hafner. He uh, took me to Hawaii. Yeah, I didn't have to pay. He, he's my rich white friend, and I love it. Um, <laughs> but he took me to Hawaii, and uh, and and we spent like weeks there. We were there for weeks on the Big Island in Kona, and it was amazing. And I was just like, dude, I'm. They asked me if I wanted to go, and I was like, yeah, I'll go. I'm gonna miss school. It's gonna be great. Yeah, let's do this. And what I didn't realize is they were there to go hunting. Um, they were hunting boars and turkeys, and I asked them the simple question, can't you do that in the States? I mean, like in the main island, the, you, you know, Washington to New York, not anyways, uh, the mainland. Um, and they said, well, yeah, but we kind of just want to go to Hawaii and hunt a boar. And I was like, well, I, I wish I could do that on a regular basis. Uh, and I remember... It was we were we were a couple of weeks we were like I, I think two weeks in and they were just going I don't necessarily know what the terms are but they would go out and spot where the boars were at um, and they would just track them down and and figure out what patterns they were doing and they had like this this guide with them and I remember one day while they're doing this normally I'm just at the house walking around or walking around uh, Kona by myself for like six hours at a time, because that was great. Um, and I remember they, my buddy asked me, hey, Tyler, do you want to go hunting with us? And I was like, sure, why not? Let's do it. And uh, we get into the truck, and we go, and we drive to uh, the middle of the island, and we're walking around, and we meet the guide there. And the guide simply looks at all of us, and he goes, all right. And who are you? And he points out, points me out, and he goes, "You've never gone hunting before, have you?" I was like, "No." And he goes, and "I was like, how can you tell?" And he goes, "Because you're wearing bright clothing. You're wearing a Hawaiian t-shirt and shorts, um, and you're wearing flip-flops right now." And I was like, "Is that what you were supposed to wear? I'm on vacation, man." <laughs> and he goes, "No, you're not like super dressed appropriately. Uh, so." We'll just make do. And for like two hours, I'm this sore thumb sticking up wherever we're going. And I just felt awful. And I told my buddy, I was like, dude, next time I go, can you, can you like dress me? <laughs> because I don't know how to dress properly. I don't know how to, uh, the, the attire, what to wear for proper occasions. Um, and going into that, uh, and that's just a precursive story of today I want to talk about the armor of God or the armor of the Lord, um, and how it's important and why Paul specifically writes and puts the pieces with the names in the way that he does, like the belt of truth. Why is the belt the truth, and why is truth the belt? Um, have you guys ever heard that song, I'm in the Lord's army, yes sir, I'm in the Lord's army, yes sir, I will march through the, in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery, 
I may never something. What was it? I'm glad I'm not the only one that knows <laughs> that that not doesn't know. Uh, but yeah, so that song, right? Um, and uh, children's songs often like they're super simple in their like. As adults, you're like, yeah, that's adorable, yeah, and we see little kids up here doing the hand motions and stuff like that. But those are th th some of those children's songs are very, very important, and I think that they they share a very, very good message that yes, every single one of us is in the Lord's army, and um, it's important to dress the part. Um, don't be like me in Hawaii and not dress the part, but it's important to dress the part, um, and. The armor of the Lord is mentioned in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. I'm just going to read it in my NIV. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on all the armor of God, the full armor of God, Excuse me. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So, Paul places these very specifically, right? They're named specifically. Um, living for two years with soldiers of the Roman army, according to Acts 28, 17 through 20, um, Paul must, uh, it must have made an impression on Paul. Uh, likely he saw soldiers' armors uh, enough to become well acquainted with it. Um, he learned to understand the function of each piece, what purpose it served, and why it was important. Um, so today, I'm going to do my best to present the pieces in the way that I believe Paul was trying to portray. Um, but we're going to pray first. God, I thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your word. Um, God, I need your help. I need your help. God, I don't want any of this to be Tyler, any of this to be Tyler's opinion, but God, I want this to be you. God, I pray that your words flow through me and every word fastened with an arrowhead that will pierce even the hardest of hearts, God. God, and ultimately, I pray that this message speaks to me directly, Lord. God, I pray that my heart will be ready and willing to receive. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So we're just going to essentially jump right into this, the belt of truth, right? I am wearing a belt because my pants will fall down, and that's not appropriate in church. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but why is truth considered the belt? Um, according to Bible history, um, dot com specifically, was uh, belts were used to hold the whole outfits together and hold stuff up. You, just like today, it's to hold my pants up, it's to hold my outfit together, and that's exactly what truth does. It holds us together. Uh, when I was a little kid, um, I was fascinated with jumping into my father's pants, like his, like, empty pants, and I would try to wear them, and I would only really ever be able to get into one leg, and then I would try to fasten this belt around me and tighten it as much as possible, and this, it would be the weirdest looking thing, but I would be in one pair, one leg, and another leg would be dragging, and I'd have this really long belt that my dad had, and I would fasten it all the way as tight as possible, and it would be super, super, and I'd walk around the house, and I'd have like this tail of my dad's pants, and it was great. Um, but much like that, truth holds us together. Truth holds us together a lot like a belt. Um, it holds our very beings together, holds our families together. Um, marriages, I'm not married, but it does hold those together, and our walk with God all together. Um, without the truth, which is God, we cannot stand during battle. We can't we can't be focused on the enemy when we're constantly trying to pull up our pants, when we're running into battle and we're slipping. 
Without truth, we get lost in lies. We'll be too worried about everything else because we don't know what's right and what's wrong. Um, John 14, 6 says this. Jesus answered, I am the truth, uh, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, in order to know the truth, in order to have the truth, we first have to know God. We first have to know Him. The truth is our very foundation of our walk with God. If we do not have a relationship with the Lord, our walk with the Lord tends to be eh. Um, John 15, 18 states that if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Um, walking with the Lord isn't promised to be all lovey-dovey and great and wonderful and perfect and easy. Uh, in reality, it later talks about how if you're of this world, um, then the world will love you. But if, if, if you are not, then God set us apart for something greater and that the world will be against you. Um, and that is in verse 19 through 20 of John 15. See, without, without a good foundation, walls can't be built properly. Without a good foundation, walls tend to fall. My dad has been in construction for all, probably all of his life. I remember seeing a photo of him when he was like six in Alaska and he's on a roof and he's doing roofing with his dad. And that's what I used to do. I used to do riffing with my dad. Um, and the importance of a foundation is, is vast because if a foundation is off, then all the other calculations are off and things won't work. Truth is our foundation. Our foundation is based in God. And, then, and if we do not follow God and if we, don't not trust, we do, if we do not trust God at his word, then we're not trusting truth. Next is breastplate of righteousness. Um, the breastplate is, is the piece that protects vital organs, right? Um, and we got to remember to constantly think about this in the way that Paul is writing. He's writing this because Romans were a, a wide empire that everyone knew what the armor that... Um, everyone knew what Romans wore as armor. They were... They recognize it, right? So this breastplate, breastplate of armor, breastplates tend to protect vital organs. One of the main vital organs in your chest is your heart, right? I mean, yeah, it should be there. If it's not, you're probably dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, wear this right, uh, the, the, to wear the breastplate of righteousness, you first have to let it protect your heart and to transform your heart into, com into a completely pure heart. Because the Bible states in Jeremiah 17, 9, says the heart is deceitful above all things, beyond cure, who can understand it? And when we give our lives to the Lord and we put on this breastplate of righteousness, we're saying, God, I don't want this wicked heart. I want you to transform my heart. I want your heart inside of me, God. When you truly are being righteous, then your heart will be utterly transformed. And to truly be righteous, we cannot do it ourselves. We need God for that. Every single aspect of the armor of God is, is God, the armor of God. And we need God in every single piece, just like we need God in every single part of our lives. You cannot wear this armor if your heart does not want to take on the characteristics of God. If you do not want the characteristics of God, if you don't want to look like God, then you cannot wear the breastplate of, uh, breastplate of righteousness, which in turn means you cannot wear the armor of God. Because wearing the armor of God, when you step up and you wear the armor of God, you're letting people know, I am in the Lord's army, and I work for the Lord, and God died for me, and he is my personal Lord and Savior. I am for him, and he is for me. See, righteousness allows us to kneel before God and to stand before men and demons. It also allows us to have courage in God, right? 
uh, to fear God more than we fear men because it's very easy for, for uh, men to come up and, and threaten us and, and us fear for our lives. But doesn't the Bible state that why fear man when man can only destroy the body? Fear God because God can destroy the soul. See, the breastplates back then were made of armor in the front. And in the back, it was leather and leathery strapped. This is the reason for this was because when the ar- when the arm mm, words are hard when the army put that armor on they were to head directly into battle and went and not run away they were to face the enemy and not turn back because if they were to turn back they were to expose themselves and that's how we're supposed to be like we're we're to run into battles with the courage of the Lord that faces us today with Christ in our hearts and at our sides and not run away because of fear but to stand firm in what Christ tells us to do. 1 Corinthians 16:13 says this, be on guard, stand firm in faith, be courageous and strong. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. To be righteous means you have to have the right walk with God. In order to have the right walk with God, you have to have the right understanding of God. How do we get the right understanding of God? We read his word and we pray and we seek him, right? Uh, Psalms 119, 9 through 11. States this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The breastplate of righteousness help us, helps us keep his word in our hearts at all times. And ultimately, that is what will protect us. See, when stress happens, um, have you guys ever, like, got to the last part of toothpaste, right? And, and, and it's just irritating. I, I hate it because I always have to, like, roll it all the way up and I have to squeeze really, really hard. And there's just a little bit of toothpaste. And I'm like, yes, I don't have to go to the store, right? And I can have minty fresh breath, uh, and in a toothpaste, in a toothpaste, in a tube of toothpaste, when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, what do you expect to come out? Toothpaste, right? That, smart, right? When, when the world squeezes us, when the world squeezes a Christian, what should come out? God, Absolutely. When stress happens, when pressure comes into our lives and we get squeezed, does God come out or does the world come out? Because Matthew 12, 34 states, out of, the, um, out of the mouth the heart speaks. But if we have the heart of Christ in us and we get squeezed and we go into battle and we get stressed and we get hurt on, a, on whatever basis, if we have Christ in our hearts, if we have Christ's heart, then Christ comes out rather than us or a curse word or anything like that, right? Christ comes out. Um, We need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts. And when we give our hearts to the Lord, the enemy always wants that back. Next is going to be the feet equipped with the readiness of the gospel of peace, right? Um... The feet are equipped with the readiness of the gospel of peace because the feet are what takes us places, obviously. I mean, yeah. We should be willing to take God's word, the gospel, anywhere that God tells us. Isaiah 52.7 says this. If I can find Isaiah. <laughs> How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. That's, that's a beautiful scripture. I, mm, 
Isaiah is such a good book, guys. Um, if you haven't read it, I recommend it. It's very good. Actually, the entire Bible is very good. Read it. Uh, but how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. See, the word brings peace into our very lives, and it helps, uh, it helps in the utmost situations. Um, have you guys ever experienced, like, a godly peace when a peace that literally doesn't make sense, that everything else in the world is just going t- to dust, and you're at peace. Those, those I've experienced those several times, and those are the moments that you're just like, God, you are so good, regardless of my situation, regardless of what's happening in my life or around me, of my finances or my health. Um, God, you are good. And having that peace is is amazing, and it helps um, when we when we bring the word wherever we go. It helps free those from Satan's grip, right? When you get something new, like a new Jeep, you want to show it off to everyone and tell everyone about it, right? And and you don't really care who knows. Uh, if I got a new Jeep, I would one hundred percent do that too. <laughs> Not saying that you're showing off or anything like that, but you ended up traveling across the country to get this Jeep, something that you're passionate about, something that you love, um, right? And, and that should be the same way as our walk with Christ is, is that when God says, hey, I want you to go here, you're like, okay, I'll go there. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen when I get there. I don't know how any of this makes any sense, but I'll go there. And, and with that, when God tells you to go somewhere, he gives you a peace about it. We should be like that with Jesus. Once we accept him and we let him transform our lives, then we should be able to tell everyone about him and not care who hears us. When we're with our friends, when we're with our family um, who don't necessarily believe in the Lord, but they know that you're, you're a Christian, how often are you bringing up the Bible? How often are you bringing up with your walk with the Lord? How often are you bringing up love, Christ's love, if you're not talking about it? I've, I've once heard that people talk about what they're passionate about. And I, in my life, that is very, very true. And I work, on a, I, I work on bringing up the Bible and bringing up my walk with Christ or bringing up worship whenever I'm at my family's house. Um, because they bring up what they're passionate about, I want to bring up what I'm passionate about. And I don't want, like, I don't want to have the fear of someone going, well, y- what you believe is not what we believe. We believe that there is a God, but why would I give my life to the Lord when I'm being blessed just regularly right now, right? Um, But I want, I don't want that fear of condemnation or that fear of rejection to, to happen when I talk about the Lord. And that, that is something that I deal with on a regular basis is I have to remind myself to talk about the Lord because I am passionate about him. It's very easy to talk about the Lord with, with other believers. It's a little bit harder to talk about the Lord with non-believers. But when God gives you that peace, the gospel of peace, to, to preach the word and to just share your story and to share Christ's story, then there's something about that that, that when, when someone starts listening, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, God, move, move, God. Because it says gospel of peace, not only does that put a peace into other people's lives, but it brings a peace and joy for us to let them know about him. As I was studying this scripture and, and studying like what Romans wore um, for their outfits and what their outfits kind of looked like, uh, I found out something rather interesting. The footwear that Romans wore were called, I'm going to butcher this hardcore, but it's called caligae, C-A-L-I-G-A-E, right? Caligae's or whatever. Um, They had many uses, um, and they were like sandals. But at the bottom of these sandals, they would put like little nubs or little spikes. And the uses for those were keeping their feet protected over rough terrain and to stomp over enemies and use their feet as weapons as well. But they also had another use. 
And this use is very, very important. When I read this, I was like, God, let this be a part of my life. When I equip the, read, the readiness of the gospel of peace on my feet, God, I want this in my life. And it's to hold the, land, the line. See, this held them utterly immovable from their place. When the whole army would stand side to side, shoulder to shoulder, um, and the enemy would attack and try to push them back, they would literally have to move the ground underneath them just to move the Roman army back. The gospel holds us intact and, and, and attached to God's word and God's foundation. Since he is the foundation that, uh, that does not shake, that does not tremble, the enemy will not be able to move you unless you let the enemy. See, when we have the, the, our feet equipped with readiness of the gospel of peace, we're planting firm into God's word, and we're saying, God, I trust you above anything else. And when the enemy comes and pushes against us, are we taking a step back and allowing the enemy to push us, or are we having courage and faith and peace that God will protect us? I have a friend who went to school ministry with me. Her name is Brittany Hobbs, and she says this quote. She says, you have to have the word in you in order to use it in battle. Hebrews 11.6. This is about the shield of faith, and Pastor Nate uh, preached on this one recently. Not, not the shield part, but the faith part. Um, and he said, faith is taking God at his word and acting upon it. And he used the illustration that I believe that this box can hold my weight. But having faith, stepping on it, right? Hebrews 11.6 says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Roman uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 states, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Consider this. Faith is not an emotion based on feelings, but reality. Roman shields during this time were very, actually, they were kind of interesting. Um, they adopted this, this shield from the Italic peoples called the, the scutum. S-C-U-T-U-M. Um, probably didn't pronounce that one right either. Uh, but these shields were not the standard like medieval-esque shield that most people picture in their minds. I picture like this wooden shield with like a little little thing and, and right. But in reality, these things were very large. They stood anywhere from three and a half to four and a half feet. Um, slightly curved, right? So it was like, it's like this rectangular thing and it was curved at the sides. And in the middle, there was a center... Um, there's a large metal knob, otherwise known as a boss. And the entire shield was, was designed to combat people. Not just swords or axes, but people just in general. Because of its slight curve, it was able to deflect attacks without transferring full force uh, of the assault to the man who was holding the shield. So like when a guy would swing and it would hit the, 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 the shield, the shield's curve would make the enemy kind of bounce off and deflect. And the same thing with arrows. Arrows would be, able, would be uh, easily deflected with these type of shields. Rather than stuck in the shield, it would deflect it. Um, see, Romans actually understood how to use this shield. The shield was something they had to put action into. They probably heard as they were going through um, this training process or whatever, that it could withstand blows from weapons, from maces, from axes, to javelins, to all these, and even like redirect arrows. But what use is a shield when it is only on your back? What, is, what use is a shield when it's lying on the floor? What use is a shield when you leave it at home? What use is a shield when you leave it in your car? See, the Romans put their faith in this shield to save them from devastating blows. They put action into belief. Even burning arrows of the enemy, arrows which often were uh, coated in um, 
a type of oil, right, and then lit on fire, but arrows that somehow would seem to come out of nowhere. And that happens in our lives on a regular basis is the burning arrows of the enemy, and it's just attacks that literally come out of nowhere. Not close, but they come from far away, and then they hit us, and they kind of just start being agitating on a regular basis. See, we need the shield of faith in our lives, and we need to act upon it. Not to cower behind it, but to use it defensively and to push the enemy back. We can't just be like, yeah, it's the shield of faith, and I'm just going to put it there, and I'm going to like, okay. Look at it. It's beautiful. Romans trusted their shields as much as they trusted their partner from the left or to the right. See, us as Christians, when we're in the Lord's army, we're not fighting alone. We're actually standing shoulder to shoulder, and we're fighting together. And the the greatest lie that the enemy can tell you is that you're the only one going through this. You're the only one that that is fighting this battle, when in reality, that's bull honky. There are other people who have fought that battle, and they have become, They have been victorious, and they can show you how to continue through that battle and become victorious yourself. And there are other people who are going through it with you, or there are other people who are going through the same type of things. But in reality, when when we go through those things, we tend to think that we are the only ones because woe is me. I don't want to be that person. I don't. I tell, I try to tell as many people as possible, if you have a problem with me, please let me know because communication solves a lot. It's one thing my, my mom and dad have taught me is that communication solves a lot of problems. Clear communication, so, let me clarify, clear communication solves a lot of problems. And, and if I have a problem with you, I'll let you know. Because I think that communication is very, very important. The same thing with, uh, with our relationship with God. Communication is key. We need to sit and we need to, we need to like act upon God's word. We need to act upon God's call on our lives. If we're not acting upon that stuff, it's just a shield that's in our room. And when the enemy comes against us, we're like, God, why would you allow the enemy to hit me? And God's like, well, I gave you a shield. <laughs> Where is it? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Ooh, I passed it. Says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Guys, I want to hold and use the, the, the shield of faith in such a way that it, it's not so that I can boast, so that like when the enemy comes against me and they press up against the shield, I can say, you know what, you can press up against me, but my faith and my strength comes from the Lord and I'm able to push the enemy back. One of the last ones, the second to the last one is the helmet of salvation. Everyone knows this one. Uh, everyone should know the, uh, the entire armor of God. But if you don't, um, that's why I'm teaching this. Um, this was one of actually the very first studies I ever did um, in the Bible uh, because I was just fascinated with armor, and I still kind of am. I think armor is beautiful, and like I want to go to medieval. Ti- I've gone to medieval times before because that stuff is great, and then I want to go to like the the Renaissance festival just to see armor. Uh, and Pastor Nate was like, "We actually have armor, and it's in the little shed, but there's spiders, and I'm good." Um, <laughs> but I'm fascinated with armor. I think it's so cool um, that that they made these, these beautiful, intricate pieces that fit together in, in such a way that there was little to, like, no room for bad things to happen. I don't necessarily know the words right there, but, like, uh, exposure, right? Um, but the helmet of salvation, remember how each piece was named and placed accordingly, right? 
the helmet of salvation is no different. It Obviously, a helmet is a piece of armor that protects your head. Um, when I'm mountain biking, I need a helmet because I'm going to crash and it's going to hurt. Uh, when I was younger, my family, we would go to uh, church every Wednesday night. And after church, we would go to uh, Dairy Queen. And it was the Dairy Queen that my mom met my dad at, but they weren't working. They, she didn't work there anymore. But um, there was this fence outside. And as this little kid, I don't know why I thought about this, but I was like, I'm going to see if I can put my head through that fence. And it was like this like metallic fence that had like the, the, the pieces, the metal pieces that were twisted, right? And, uh, and my head totally fit through. It didn't come back, though. <laughs> and I remember, like, I was like, hey, guys, look, I could fit. And I tried to, like, fit through the entire thing, but I was like, my chest is way too big. And I was like this little tiny guy. Uh, still kind of am. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, uh. And then I, like, tried to pull back, but my ears, my ears got stuck. And I remember at this point going, I'm going to die here. And in that moment, as a little kid, I started freaking out and started panicking. And, and I didn't cry because I was, I was, I totally cried. Um, and I was like, I was like, oh, Ryan, get dad, get dad, get dad. And my dad comes out and he just starts laughing. Uh, and he goes, why would you do that? And I was like, I wanted to see if I fit. And he goes, did you? And I was like, kind of, right? And, uh, and, and my dad ended up like, like prying the bars and like bending them and it was great he's a superhero and uh and i pulled my head out and i was like <sighs> and i was so scared and then like four years later i bought a baseball helmet for baseball or my mom bought a baseball helmet for baseball and it was too small but i put it on my head to see if it could fit and the same exact thing happened this helmet got stuck on my head and my ears and it hurt and it wasn't fun it was not fun having a helmet stuck on your head. <laughs> well, now you have. Um, I've had some very interesting things happen to me. Um, but uh, reading about the helmet of salvation, um, I, remember, I remember taking that helmet back and, and getting another helmet and getting one that, like, and asking the person uh, to, like, measure my head, I guess. And they were like, oh, yeah, this helmet's going to be perfect for you. And I put on the helmet. I was like, oh, my gosh, this thing is perfect. I believe that often we try to put on a helmet of something rather than salvation, and we start to freak out because it gets stuck. That a lot of times we put on this, this thing that Christ didn't give us, and it sticks to us and we don't understand how to get it off. But in reality, when we give our lives to the Lord and we put on the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation is not exclusive about deliverance from sin or living forever, but about living forever as a child of God. See, it's about being free from sin and belonging to eternal family where evil has been banished forever, right? Consider this, a helmet, well, not a helmet, a head, right? Your head has eyes, should. Uh, your head has a mouth, and your head has, has ears. And all of those things are protected by a helmet, and there's a brain. When we become part of God's family, we accept salvation in our lives, and, place, and God places that helmet on our heads, and we gain something beautiful. See, walking with God, he teaches us how to see things the way that he does and not look perversely upon things. The helmet of salvation protects your eyes. See, when we put on the helmet of salvation, he teaches us how to speak with life rather than death, how to encourage rather to condemn. The helmet of salvation protects our mouth. When we put on the helmet of salvation, we begin to hear God's voice clearer. And, he, and, he ends up, and all we have to do is we have to ask God to speak louder into our lives and, and, and to silence the enemy's voice and even need be silence our own voice so that we don't have to hear it. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm my worst critic. Sometimes I bring myself down way more than the enemy. And when we put on the helmet of salvation, God teaches us how to use our ears for the glory of the Lord.
And when we put on the helmet of salvation, the helmet protects the brain, and that we, have, we should take every thought captive to control the mind, the thoughts. See, salvation helps every single bit of those. It's not just this one piece of armor that you put on one time and that's it. Um, I believe it was Pat Schatz line. Was it Pat Schatz? It was Pat Schatz line. And he, he preaches a message kind of like this. And he talks about how Christians often only wear the helmet of salvation and in the battlefield they're spiritually streaking. And that's kind of a funny picture, but it's true. We think that the helmet of salvation is all we need when in reality we need the entire set. I don't, I don't want to be spiritually naked with a helmet. I really don't. Um, one of the last ones is sword of the spirit. See, it's often said that the sword is both offensive, right, and defensive. I have a buddy. I have a lot of stories, guys. I apologize. Uh, I have a buddy. Um, his name is Matt Hill. Um, and I went over to his house one time. And his dad is, is what I call a mountain man. And when I say mountain man, I mean, like, not just someone who knows the mountain or anything. He dresses like a mountain man. He has a pouch, like, that he carries all the time. And it's legit a wolf head, right? And he always carries a big old Bowie knife, Bowie knife. And he's just dressed in, like, these awesome mountain man clothes. Uh, and he's got really long hair and a really long beard. And he's like one of the smartest guys I know. But they go to the Renaissance Festival every single year. They dress up. But what they do is they always get those um, bamboo swords or those, those training swords, right? And I went over to Matt's house one time. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what is this? And I was just fascinated. And I was like, Hoo-ah! and I like slapped Matt in the, right in the calf. And I remember him going, Okay, <laughs> and he grabbed another sword, and I was like, "Oh, it's on, right?" And we're we're battling out, and it's great. And all of a sudden, he he like thwapped me in the back, and I was like, "I'm done, dude. I'm done." That hurt so much because those that that hurt that hurt, um, and it was a it was a training sword. No, thank you. But I could <laughs> I could imagine what the sword of the spirit feels like against the enemy. If that was a training sword on my back and I just gave up, <laughs> how much more will the enemy give up when we use the sword of the spirit in the way that it's u- supposed to be used? <laughs> yeah. See, this is, it's true that the sword is an offense and a defensive weapon, but it is the main piece that Paul mentions that is offensive. Without our sword, we are nothing more then picture this, heavily armored targets. That's it. When I play video games, and I play video games, uh, and there's someone with a really good weapon, I'm going to notice that really good weapon. Or if there's someone with really good armor, but they don't have any weapons, I'm going to leave this guy be, and I'm going to attack this guy because there's no way that that guy can hurt me. It'll take me a little bit longer to get that guy, but that guy will hurt me. When we don't have the sword of the spirit, it's often like that, that, w- that the enemy sees. Um, like, um, I was going to use this verse later, but it talks about how the enemy uh, walks around, prowls around like a lion, seeking those who he can devour. When we don't have the sword of the spirit, we become appetizing. See, a Roman would train with their sword literally every morning. It was part of their morning routine. See, because um, they knew that they knew the ins and outs of their sword, right? They knew the balancing point, which often on the Roman sword was right at the top of the hilt um, where the little thing is at. So the blade connects to the hilt, and it's just right about there. Um, often, but other times it's a little bit higher. Um, they knew that sword. They knew that sword. They trained as though to have the sword as an extension of their body, and that was their main goal for a Roman soldier, where their sword was a part of them. 
we, as Christians, need to adopt this mindset. That the sword, which is God's word, is important. Important enough to study every single morning, to read every single morning, to train with every single morning, to use it all the time, to not go anywhere without it, to never go into into battle without it. See, what is the word? Psalms 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth, plain and simple. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of heart. See, as soldiers in God's army, I'm in the Lord's army, it is our responsibility to and duty to use his word to discern the truth and follow it. Romans, their sword was an extension of who they were. Is God's word an extension of who you are? Would you be caught dead without your word? When the enemy prowls around like a lion, does he look at everyone in this church and notice you because you're the one without the sword? Is God's word a part of you? That's, that's important. Remember, I'm preaching this to myself because like, this is something that I've had to, I, I still have to learn on a regular basis because I bet, I bet, a lot of those Roman soldiers didn't want to get up in the morning and practice with their swords. That they didn't want to get in the, get up in the morning and get smacked in the back with training swords, which hurts a lot. Um, <laughs> that they didn't want to do that. I bet there were days where they didn't want to necessarily follow orders. But to put yourself aside and say, you know what, regardless of how I feel, I'm still going to read God's word because I know it's good and I know it'll help me in battles and I know that God is good no matter what. Regardless of how I feel, I'm still going to worship. I may not want to raise my hands, but I'm going to raise my hands regardless because I know God is good and he is faithful. I may not want to pray. I may be too tired to pray, but I'm going to pray and I'm going to put myself aside because prayer is not about me. Prayer is about God. And then the last piece of armor. You guys are like, what? Last piece of armor? What's that? We went through the whole thing, right? It's not necessarily a piece of armor, but it goes along with it. It's the battle cry. And it's one of my favorites, right? The battle cry is, um, we'll just read it in um, Ephesians 6. And it's verse 18. Our battle cry is pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for the Lord's people. Our battle cry. Battles can often and have been won ever before even engaging with the enemy. Soldiers marching and shouting often brings intimidation. That's what a battle cry does. It brings intimidation to the enemy, making the enemy realize, this might have not been a good idea. This is not going to be fun for me. There is, um, how many of you guys have ever seen Star Wars? There's a guy in Star Wars. He's like this robot guy, right? And he has four arms. His name's General Grievous. And he has lightsabers, but he's not a Jedi or a Sith. A Jedi or Sith is someone who can use the Force. He can't use the Force. Um, but he kills Jedis mainly because he acts like this weak, frail, old thing. And then when he goes into battle, he stands towering over people and he brings out all four lightsabers at the same time and that's intimidation and he often wins battles that way rather than engaging the Jedi right and sorry that's very nerdy fact um (laughs) but that's how I believe that that's how the enemy works as well that the enemy kind of just like brags and boasts and kind of gets big 
right? And and he intimidates us just by sheer size and that and and sheer like um, discouragement or anything like that. And we tend to go, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to win this battle. But when we go into battle and we pray and we pray and we pray, we go into battle with a war cry going, you may try to intimidate you, but I know who's on my side. And now you do too. These shoutings were often considered war cries. One of my favorite war cries in history were when Catholic troops reconquered the Liberian Peninsula. They would smack their swords, as they were walking, they would smack their swords on rocks to knock off rust and create sparks, right? And, and I hope you guys can like picture, I, I realize that people like think in words or pictures or like whatever. I think of pictures and when I heard, when I heard this, I was like, that's so amazing. Um, but try to picture a vast army literally shouting the words desperta ferro which in portuguese means awaken the iron right and i butchered that i know i did um but they're smacking their swords on rocks creating sparks as this entire army is walking yelling awaken the iron that's terrifying i would be scared <laughs> If I saw that army coming, I'd be like, well, this is where I die. This is exciting. Um, but our battle cry is simple. And as as awesome, as powerful, as whatever, as uh, awaken the iron is, our war cry is even more so. Our war cry, our battle cry, our prayers are something powerful. See, when we go into battle, are we praying? Are you praying when you go into battle? Or are you just trying to battle it out because you can try on your own? Are we rallying when we war cry? Are we rallying other troops uh, together? Are we shouting victory when the enemy comes into our lives at random points? Or are we sitting on the ground and are easy targets? And that's where I was going to say um, the enemy roars around, uh, prowls around like a lion seeking those who he can devour. And I think it's very important for us to realize that if the enemy seeks those who he can devour, then he sees those who he can't. When we're wearing the full armor of God and we are using a battle cry, we're using the shield of faith and we're using the sword of the spirit, I believe that the enemy looks at us and goes, there's got to be easier targets. I want to encourage you guys, don't be an easy target. Do not be an easy target. Wear the full armor of God with the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and practice with the sword and shout victory. Shout your battle cry. Shout our God reigns. Because when the enemy comes into our life and we have that foundation and our feet are planted in the ground in such a way that when the enemy comes against us, he has to move the, the ground beneath us. He has to move our foundation, but our foundation is the Lord and God does not move. I want to march with the Lord. I really hope that God has, like, really cool armor for me when I get in heaven. Like, I, re oh, I really hope so. I think regardless of whatever armor it is, I'm going to be real excited. Uh, I'll be like a kid in a candy shop, and I'll, like, put it on. and be like, look! <laughs> right? It's going to be amazing. Um, but I also know that when I put on the armor of the Lord, I'm letting everyone else know who I'm fighting for. What army I'm in. And who fights for me. See, Romans, it was very easy to distinguish Romans on the battlefield because they would wave these banners and they would have specific colors. Colors that only the Roman army would use. When we go into battle... Are we flying or wearing the colors of the Lord? 
Or are we being double-minded? Are we being uh, um, lukewarm Christians and we're flying both colors? Because when you fly both colors, that's how casualties happen and that's how you get in the wake of crossfire. My brother, um, he went to um, cross seas to fight in the war. He got deployed. And uh, when he came back, I, I asked him a simple question. And I said, what's something that you didn't realize until you got there? And he says, you think that the enemy would be the ones killing us the most? But a lot of times people get hit by, by friendly fire. And that hurt. Because I think as Christians, we do that to other Christians too. We friendly fire other Christians just because we can. That breaks my heart. I, I, I pray that I'm not one of those people who, who friendly fires other people. And if I am, God pointed out hard. <laughs> when you go into the Lord's army, I'm saying it like this song. When you go into the Lord's army, um, regardless, you are fighting a battle. It depends on what side you're on. And what side you're on depends if you give your life to the Lord or not. And I don't know about you, but in Revelations, it talks about how we win the battle. I'm going to stick to this side. <laughs> I want to wear the armor of the Lord. I don't want to be some kid in Hawaii wearing a Hawaiian shirt going hunting. And I don't want you guys either. I don't want, I don't want to see people go into battle, uh, uh, like these spiritual battles, because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Ephesians talks about that. We're not. We're fighting against other things. And I don't want to see you guys go into battle with just a Hawaiian shirt on and sandals. Because that's how you get hurt. And in order to go into battle, you have to prepare for battle. Otherwise, that's how you lose. I want to be someone who wears the armor of God on a daily basis and doesn't just put it on once and take it off that night. But I want to be someone who gets up every morning and says, God, please allow me to wear the armor. Hear my battle cry and help me today. We're going we're gonna to spend just a little bit of time in prayer um, and Pastor Nate ended up asking me, um, what is the idea for the ending of the message? And I had an idea, but I feel like the Lord's leading me somewhere else. <laughs> um, when I studied this, there were multiple things that jumped out that I was like, I'm doing that wrong. And if there's anything that has jumped out, regardless if you're doing it wrong or not, I want to spend some time in prayer practicing our battle cry. And it doesn't have to be like loud, like, ah, right? But to just practice prayer. That's something we can all practice right here, right now, for just a little bit, is practicing prayer. Because when an army, to, when one person in an army starts, uh, says a battle cry, there's nothing important about that. But when an entire army together shouts the same battle cry, then the enemy starts to take notice, and the enemy starts to wonder what is going on. Today, I was going to say tonight, today, let's practice our battle cry. 
I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm going to pray for you. I don't know what's going on in your family's life, but I'm going to pray for you. And I would hope that you guys pray for me too. And I would hope you guys pray for the person to the right or to the left. And you don't necessarily have to hold, uh, like place hands on them, but be like, God, thank you so much for this congregation. Thank you so much for this body of Christ that meets on a Sunday morning uh, faithfully and that we're willing to step out of our, our, our daily schedule or routine or whatever to come and meet with you. God, meet with us. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon.